1: Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombus.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
2: We leave our house and we leave our car and we always make sure the windows are shut and the you know the doors are locked and everything's secure and you can't see any valuables from the windows, for example. I think we need to have that sort of attitude online.
0: Where well, we've all been pushed
3: around Hello and welcome to It's Complicated, the podcast to help you untangle your relationship with your phone.
0: Left our hearts in the
3: last and found I'm Tanya Goodin and each week I'll be talking to my guests about how they manage the relationship with the tiny tyrant in their pocket We'll be talking about how our phone habits affect our work, our lives and our loves and about what our relationship with our phone might just tell us about our relationship with ourselves. If you want help and you want hope, you've come to the right place. This is It's Complicated. My guest today is ethical hacker Scott McGrady. Scott is a tech consultant focusing on cybersecurity. He's a scam ambassador for national trading standards and works with the police and public sector on fraud, scams, and cybersecurity, and with businesses and organisations in helping to prevent fraud. Scott has been described as the Malcolm Tucker of cybersecurity, and he describes himself as a maker, breaker, fixer, and faker trying to build a safer world. So, Scott, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thanks um, for having me. So I'm going to tell everyone, actually, because I described you in the intro as an ethical hacker, that actually we, were tr- we tried to fix this up, didn't we, a couple of days ago, and then you were called in by the police to help with an online issue. Yeah. So you work a lot with the police, do you, in what you do?
2: I do. Um. So my history with the police is very checkered. Um, a few years ago, I'm talking 15 years ago or so, I remember contacting them saying, hey, I found this big phishing scam. I know exactly how it works. I've got all the data. I've got all the details. And the police came around to my house and didn't know what to do. Um, <laughs> so in the last five or six years, I've, I've seen a sudden dramatic shift from certain pockets of police where they're actually understanding cyber-enabled and cyber-dependent crime, and they're realizing very quickly that, and absolutely no offense to them, all the officers are fantastic, but they're just not equipped to deal with it in the way of... You know, they just don't understand what they're looking at. They don't understand the tools involved. They don't understand some of the language. So really, guys like myself and guys and girls like myself, actually, up and down the country, there's a lot of us out there that are going, hey, we know what this is. We understand it. And So why not ask us? Yeah. Yeah, we kind of like the idea of being a Sherlock. So why don't you (laughs) speak to us and we can help you. I mean, we're not, a lot of us aren't interested in police powers. None of us are interested in wearing a uniform. In fact, if you've seen me, I wouldn't suit one. Um, (laughs) But a lot of us are just more kind of, we want to do the right thing. We want to help and we want to say, hey, you know, change your passwords and do this kind of stuff. But more we want to get involved in the we can track this really quickly and understand it as it unfolds rather than six months down the line yeah, you coming yeah. to us as an expert witness and going how did that work
3: <laughs> so thinking about the type of people that are listening to the podcast so everybody's kind of listening because it's about our relationship with tech and the reason yeah. I wanted to talk to you was security and safety is such a big part of the digital world it's it's you know kind of one of the things we all need to think about but so I know this is not a short there's not a short answer to this question but <laughs> what what are we getting wrong do you think in our relationship with the digital world you mentioned phishing but you yeah. know where, where are we making ourselves vulnerable when we use our smartphones what are we doing that just isn't a good idea is it as simple as passwords we're just not setting up passwords or is it a bit more complicated than that
2: it's slightly more complicated I think to be honest the complication doesn't lie with the users it lies more with the tech companies but unfortunately it kind of trickles down to the users and I'll try and unpack that a little bit and explain where I'm going with that. Unfortunately convenience is a hindrance to security we've all seen it you know um, if you've forgotten your Google mail password for example and you try and log in at a new machine then it send you a text message and it you know it says you know you need to authorize this from some other machine that you've logged into previously it can get a bit uh, grating for the user yeah, so yeah. you know there's this balance between convenience and security that the tech companies need to strike and for the vast majority of users myself included we are predominantly quite lazy i i do this all the time i, do, I don't really fancy logging in with you know i need to have my phone and this you know two-factor authentication dongle and something else and you know <laughs> need to give them umpteen pieces of information to get into my account even i find that annoying so yeah it's it's kind of a bit more complicated but one of the best pieces of advice i've been able to give over the last few years is passwords are absolutely the achilles heel um certainly just now of users everywhere no one should be using and coming up with passwords they should all be using password managers that d- make their passwords you know 32 characters long really complex totally unique per site and it's all stored in one safe little app and isn't you know, that it just another makes things a lot easier that
3: sounds like a nightmare to me though the thought of having it so what how does that work if i if i use a password manager do I have an app that kind of connects to all my different accounts? How does it
2: yeah, basically. Yeah, and it will auto fill. It's quite an interesting tool. So it'll auto fill your username and password when you're on the right site. So ah. it's kind of an interesting defense against phishing as well. So if you're on, like, let's say, for example, a, a shopping website and you've bought from there before, you've got an account and someone sends you a phishing email, a pretty claiming to be from that company you click the link you go to the website you try and log in by pressing the little shortcut key or pressing the little button on your browser it won't fill that in because it's not the right site
3: yeah Yeah. exactly because it's looking
2: at it going this although it looks familiar it's not the same thing therefore we're not going to fill it in and give you a little warning of hey this isn't quite right it's kind of a nice defense but password managers absolutely i would i would absolutely say we need to use them i recently did an audit of my own passwords. Uh, it took about two months to go through everything, but it was really useful to go, hey, I don't use this account at this particular website anymore, I'm going to log in, ask them to delete my account, whether or not they do it is another matter, but I'm going to ask them to delete it so that I don't have this, you know, phantom account in 10 years time coming back to haunt me, so.
3: So one, of, I think one of the most useful things you told me about passwords, if, if you decide for whatever reason not to use a password manager but just want to kind of tighten up your own password use is I'm sure you were talking to me about this and you know I was saying you now have to do upper lowercase special symbol all this kind of thing and you said actually the securest form of password is three random words it was you that told me that isn't it?
2: Yeah, that? it seems to be a a, a government-backed campaign is a minimum of three random words. The idea behind that is really simple and it's we need to just keep people moving forward in terms of we need to keep them more, we need to get them more secure online and telling them that they need to come up with a very complicated string of 32 letters and numbers yeah. and, and <laughs> symbols is really difficult. No one's going to do that. But if we tell them, hey, start with three random words and then pepper it with some numbers and symbols, and it starts to become a bit easier for them to remember, it's almost like a stepping stone, it's a baby step towards a password manager. And that's why the NCSC and the, a law of policing will constantly say you know think three random words think about three random words rather than using you know your dog's name your child's name your child's date of birth all this stuff is very easily findable on your social media profiles if you haven't locked them down or newspaper articles of course
3: yeah in fact I mean I've started using the three random word thing and I really like it and I actually can remember more passwords now across all my different accounts weirdly because they are, you know, the combination of the three random words is actually easier to remember than some of the some of the stuff that I had before.
2: Yeah, just a bit. I mean, it, it, there'll be people out there, and I've spoken to other people in my industry that say, hey, you know, three random words, that's a rubbish idea for a password because X, Y, Z, reason. And in some way, they are actually correct. You know, three random words isn't, quote unquote, the most secure password combination you could come up with. But it's better than what a lot of people yeah, have. If yeah. you see the top 10 password lists every well, pa- year, it's a always...
3: password, the top one? Yeah, it's always <laughs>
2: password, Man United. It's always, it's always something that's very, very small and easy to type. You know, one, two, three, four, five, six. I yeah. thought that would... You know, it's clearly they've just, you know, ran their finger along the top of the keyboard. And again, that, that kind of brings us back to the convenience angle. You know, people don't want to spend time typing out a long, complex password. So you know random symbols and letters but they might be able to remember three random words especially if one of those words is in a foreign language like they know yeah for example
3: so what else can we do so password manager passwords what how else are we making ourselves vulnerable with our smartphones
2: absolutely social media um snapping everything that goes on in your life and putting that up online is a gold mine to a fraudster anybody that wants to look into who you are what you do where you go, how often you spend time at a certain place, it, all you need to do is check you out on social media and it's not difficult to then build up this massive profile of information. Because most of us, if you think about Twitter, it's been around for well over 10 years now. Most of the people that joined Twitter right at the start didn't really think it was going to be as big as it is now. Yeah, um, yeah. They didn't really think about what they were posting. Um, they put tweets up with locations in them, which if you haven't moved away from where you vaguely lived, which most people don't, then i can then build up a a profile of you by going okay you tweeted in 20 uh, 2007 that you were at your grand's house that has a location on it I'm pretty sure that your grand probably still lives there. Mm. Therefore, I know that you're either local or you're tied to that area. And it's really easy for fraudsters to build up this huge profile of you. And almost, if you've seen the emails that have been floating about recently, the extortion ones, saying we have this piece of information about you, therefore everything we tell you next is true because we have this specific yeah. piece of information. It's easy to pretend to someone that you know them when you clearly don't.
3: So tell me, one thing I'm really keen to get to the bottom of is spoof text from people that aren't from the people you think they're from. Yeah. Um, because I saw you on TV. Remind <laughs> me which remind me which programme it was that you were on.
2: Oh, I don't know. It's it has been a few. Was it recently? Yeah, it was. It, oh, it was Joe Lysett. That's right. It was Joe Lysett, right. yeah. yeah.
3: So you were showing him that when you get a text on your phone it can appear to be from somebody in your contacts from somebody you know and actually can be a completely spoof text and and that's leading to a lot of fraud so tell us a little bit about i was my jaw hit the ground when you were explaining how that works how yeah
2: the, um so this is this has been no surprise to people like myself that have uh, ever worked on anything remotely related to the telephone network but you can basically send a text message or a phone call from any name or number so for example a lot of us get text messages from our favorite pizza vendors or yeah. from shopping sites and even from the government and banks they send us text messages to say hey there's a problem with your account um, just by doing a tiny little bit of technical trickery which is not legal to do you can effectively send a message as that person. Now, on Sorry, modern it's phones... So, not,
3: it's not illegal, you just said.
2: It's not illegal to do it. Not at the wow. moment, anyway. Um, for very specific technical reasons, it's it's not illegal. But if you were to receive one of these text messages and you had a previous text message, let's say, from a company you dealt with, it would actually thread it into the chain. If Everybody's used to seeing threads now on their yeah, text messages. Yeah. So, it looks as if it's legitimately from them.
3: So you'd have no reason, you'd get a text from your bank and you'd had previous texts from your bank, you'd have no reason not to think, well obviously that's completely legitimate because I can see the thread, I can see they've sent me stuff before and it's appeared in the same thing. Exactly. So,
2: it's kind of it's the digital equivalent of someone sending you a letter in the bank's letterhead yeah, from the yeah. same usual, you know, sender's address and all that kind of stuff with your name and your account number and all the verifying marks on it that it would have saying, Hey, you know, we need you to call this number now there's been an issue. It's the exact same thing.
3: So if we get Oh well, I mean I was gonna say if we get a suspicious text, <laughs> but it wouldn't be suspicious. So any text from any organisation that says click on this link or ring us and it's kind of there's a financial connection we shouldn't be doing that we shouldn't click on any link that's sent to us ever is that what you're saying
2: that's uh yeah technically yes but it's kind of problematic i've literally sat with people that work for these banks in marketing teams or sales teams or you know they, they they work in security teams and they say look we get you don't want people to click on links but that's the only way we have available to us to send something to a customer so it's very very difficult so we had to come up with and when I say we it's myself and a whole bunch of other cyber protect officers and people in the industry and anybody that I can basically grab and to sit down in a room and just shout at for 20 minutes until we get to the bottom of it what we came up with was uh, the idea of hey You can trust the text message, but verify it. You know, you don't need to click it right away. If it looks dodgy, then don't touch it. You know, tell two people about it. Go and tell two physical people. Have you ever seen a message like this? It says, normal from this bank. What do you think about this URL? Or does it look weird to you? Doing that can really, it's a really simple step, but it can really stop a lot of the fraud from happening.
3: Yeah, I I got into a bit of, I mean, not trouble with my bank. They totally understood, but they... I think they contacted me and I refused to believe it was them. (laughs) And I said, no, 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 I'm going to ring my normal number and speak to the normal person I speak to. And, you know, I could hear them slightly kind of gnashing their teeth because they thought they'd provided enough, you know, checks for me to be confident. But I said, no, you've just rung me. I don't know that it's you that I'm speaking to. So maybe I was a bit overzealous, but I'm very aware, I think, since, you know, having met you and and (laughs) looking at some of these things that happen online. Another area I'm really keen to talk about is sextortion because you have opened my eyes to a lot of what's going on in this area and I actually got one of those emails not that long ago but because Mm. we'd had that conversation uh, where it said, you know, you've been caught viewing porn, we know you've looked at these sites, send us money and, you know, your family won't find out about it and I mentioned it to a few people and, and... you know, more than 50% of us had got these emails. Yeah. So tell us what's happening with sex- sextortion, because I keep reading it, it's a massive growth criminal area.
2: Yeah, Um. it's a massive growth because of one fundamental fact. This is It's quite an embarrassing topic. It's not something that is often brought up or spoken about. So if someone said to you, hey, I saw you in a stupid Hawaiian shirt, I'll distribute this picture unless you give me 50 quid. People won't. People won't really care. Say so what? But,
3: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Who cares? It's a wine shirt. You know, that's my. That's for me. That's my Saturday night out outfit. But for <laughs> a lot of people, getting an email that says, "Hey, we've hacked your webcam. Here's a previous password to show that we're telling the truth, and we know that you're watching porn." even i mean I've, I've spoken to people who are not technical and didn't understand that that was just a, a extortion in its own right um the reason why it's such a growth industry is there's t- there's it goes twofold so you've got the people that maybe have access to adult content and they don't they don't want that leaking out so people like that are you know they're sitting in their house and they think oh what if it's legitimate this could be yeah, problematic yeah. but then the second co- sort of tier of that is someone that absolutely wouldn't touch that with a barge pole but they think wait what if they can fake a video because bear in mind yeah, the press course. are yeah. constantly out with all these deep fake videos yeah. and this can be fake. which are incredibly
3: you know, they- realistic the deep fakes i've seen yeah
2: yeah, and it's extremely worrying so people are, are, are sitting at, by themselves emotionally compromised because someone's just told them we have caught you doing this we have video evidence here's something to prove we are telling the truth if you don't give us the money we will go forward now a lot of the times the money changes in terms of amount sometimes it could be a hundred dollars sometimes it could be fifty dollars sometimes it could be three thousand dollars if I, I had a chat with someone recently and said if someone sent you that and you thought they were telling the truth, what, you know what would be the price point that you would go? Do you know what I'll pay it just for the peace of mind? And mm. they said probably around a hundred dollars. And now they're they're not alone, and there's thousands of people out there that have just paid the ransom, not said anything, never spoken to anybody, and then realised like quite a few months later that yeah, yeah wait a, a minute scam. that was actually yeah. a scam
3: yeah. yeah. So. I mean, if we get emails like that, when I do, I just delete them. Should we be forwarding them to the police? What should we do? I mean, presumably there's so much of it going on that the police can't really investigate it, can they?
2: There's so much going on that trying to keep on top of it is a nightmare. But absolutely tell other people, if you're going to forward it on to someone like the police or action fraud, for example... Also, try and share it with your friends. Like, it's yeah. absolutely critical that's that you try and tell your yeah. friends. I
3: talked to other people about it and they went, Yes, I've had one of those. <laughs> well, yeah. what,
2: what happens there though is discussion comes up, and maybe someone's sitting in the room that's claimed that they haven't had one of those emails and is currently sitting debating whether or not to, it, to pay you know, the give away their life yeah, fortune. Yeah. yeah. And it's not that's just really emails either. it's you know skype calls and video chats these can all be faked uh using really really interesting technology in fact i think the day we met um, i demonstrated the video chat bot
3: yeah tell us about that explain to everyone about that because that was brilliant yeah
2: yeah it was incredibly scary so a few years ago i was doing a, a tv show normally these things come about from that and they wanted to do rather than standard basic fraud stuff, they wanted to kind of go a bit deeper into a case that came up. Sextortion was pretty new back then. And they said, hey, you know, we've got this case, a young lad up in Fife who's uh, sadly committed suicide. Oh, I remember um, that.
3: Yeah, I remember yeah, that case. Yeah,
2: as a result of a sextortion scam. And I'd never heard of sextortion before. I asked around, found out that it was a video chat that the fraudsters had yeah. made to this this young chap called Daniel Perry. And they sat on video chat and I couldn't figure out why, if there was an actress or whether it was a robot on their end of the video chat, I couldn't figure it out. So I went out to try and research how these things were done. We found out very, very quickly, or I keep saying we, me, I found out very, very quickly how they put it together. And I basically, we hired an actress um, to sit in front of a camera, type away, you know, kind of touch her nose, play with her hair and built a sextortion robot effectively to demonstrate on TV and to the wider public look even videos can be fake now this was a couple of years before deepfakes and it's not a deepfake video but it could easily be a deepfake you know she could talk she could have a different face on you know we could definitely modify that to make it look ultra realistic and really believable.
0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com.
3: So when guys are FaceTiming somebody they they can be talking to kind of spliced together video footage of a real woman but that kind of manipulated to answer and say things that whoever is carrying out the fraud want the extortion wants them to say so they, yeah, can, they kind of if- are looking at a, a real person but it's not what it seems
2: yeah, absolutely. It's not exactly what it seems. If you've ever played with a soundboard, there's a couple online that you can play with, and gamers and stuff like that use them all the time. And if you've ever played with one of those where you just press a button and it will play that clip immediately, it's basically the same technology that drives it. And all it takes is a little bit of technical know how and a little bit of malice to be able to put something together and know that you can fool someone. And a lot of the school talks that I do centre around sextortion because, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of the young boys are targeted and yeah. they won't come forward because they're embarrassed that they've, you know, they've done something on camera. They don't want their friends and family to find out the first that they were chatting to, God knows who, God knows where. Um, but secondly, they were usually 90% of the time performing sex acts. So mm. at that point, they don't want that video released. They're 15, 16, 17. They don't want their... Um, The fraudsters are pretty clever and they say, look, this will ruin your life if this comes out. So therefore pay up or else. And sadly, in Daniel's case, he didn't have enough money to pay it and they told him to commit suicide and he did because he felt so trapped. So one of the key things is if you get a video chat or, you know, FaceTime can be faked, anything can be faked. You can trust someone, but absolutely verify them before you, you know, before you give them money or give them details or do absolutely anything because everything can be faked.
3: When you, I, I've never asked you this before, but when you're, if you were speaking to someone and you thought it was a bot, are there any particular things you could do or ask them that would immediately make it obvious? I mean, presumably, ask them to do something like put their hands on their head or something, which they might not have filmed. I'm, I'm trying to think. You know, what what, no, what no, could you do?
2: It's a, a good question. Um, so if you remember the web bot, we we'd got the actress to do various different things like touch her nose, play with her hair, blow a kiss, do right. jazz hands, do a peace symbol based on the fact that...
3: Someone might ask know, her to do that. Yeah, yeah
2: exactly. Someone, someone might say, hey, I don't think this is quite real. Can you do a peace symbol? Now, yeah. you could effectively, if you are on a video chat, ask someone to write something down and hold it up in a yeah. piece of paper. That yeah. might be quite good. But... I, again, there's there's with deepfake technology and a whole bunch of other cool technology that's coming out, because I won't lie, a lot of this technology is really cool, the The official uses of it. So, for example, deepfakes came around from technology that was... The idea behind it was, if we could take a movie and put a foreign translation over the top, we can then make the mouth move to the foreign and translation, exactly if that makes this, sense. Yeah, yeah. So, that a lot of the technology is really super, super cool. But it's just been used in this malicious way. So, again, it's very, very difficult to tell explicitly whether or not you're speaking to a real person. And I hate giving silver bullet advice going, at the moment, it's okay if, you know, you ask them to write something down because in five years' time it could be...
3: That could
2: yeah. be, yeah. I mean, five years time this is why we have the green padlock scenario, where ten years ago someone said, "Hey, you know, if you see a green padlock, it means it's legitimate," and ten years later, it means well, it means absolutely nothing. No, it just means <laughs> so, you've got a
3: green padlock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: It just means you have a green padlock. Yeah, yeah. fraudsters have them, and so do the legit places. So,
3: so do you think we're getting less safe online, or are you kind of you know looking forward in the future? Do you think we're going to plug these gaps or do you think that cyber criminals are only going to get more and more inventive and we just have to keep constantly ahead of the game? You know I'm thinking of me as a smartphone user and as a digital user. Um, am I going to be safer in the future or am I always going to have to worry about these? I think sorts we should always
2: kind of worry. I think we should always think about it and, and try and you know put it into our minds and, and we leave our house and we leave our car and we always make sure the windows are shut and the you know the doors are locked and everything's secure and you can't see any valuables from the windows for example i think we need to have that sort of attitude online i think a lot of people need to realize the the information they're putting out there online is searchable is traceable and even if you delete it it can still be found once yeah. we get into that situation where we we speak about hygiene in terms of like data hygiene in terms of what you're putting online what you're saying online what you're doing for example as long as we get to a situation where people feel comfortable that they can be themselves and express themselves because i hate the idea that we should you know block off all technology i think that's a ridiculous mm. idea to stay safe because it it really does the exact opposite but if we can understand what we're putting up, how that can be used against us in the future, then we we have such a better chance. I think the reason why at the moment it feels as if it's an uphill battle and we're never going to win it is because we're right in the middle of just after all the, the GDPR stuff, uh, companies are being fined. It feels as if businesses are being attacked left, right and centre. But my counterpoint to that is more... I don't think companies are being attacked left, right, and centre more now than they were ten years ago. I think the press are picking up on it quicker, the yeah, companies are picking yeah. up on it quicker, and we as users, we're getting emails to say, "I'm really sorry, something went wrong. Your yeah. password needs to be reset." This <laughs> All your data go.
3: is now in the hands of somebody else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, cyber criminals are never going <laughs> to go
2: away, though. That's the problem. It's crime does pay when it comes to cyber crime because it's cross border. You know, you can sit in one country, attack someone in another country, and it's going to take months, years if ever for you to be caught tracked down and having to repay that or you know for a, a crime to be processed so cyber criminals are benefiting from you know jurisdiction and, and mm. different countries and, and jumping through three different vpns so obviously the police are are really stretched thin to try and investigate this and they need to work with people all, from all across the world to try and track them down so it's always going to pay. What we need to do as, you know, users is try and sit in the middle, try and not be ultra secure and try not be really so totally, you know, open door policy. We need to be in the middle to try and keep it rolling, if that makes sense.
3: So, yeah. So if we think about basic hygiene, that, that example you gave of, you know, when I leave a car, I make sure the door's locked and the windows are up. Hmm. Are there two or three basic hygiene things then that you could summarise that we should yeah. be doing? Yeah, sure. What's the equivalent of making sure our windows and doors are shut?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Using a service like Have I Been Pwned is absolutely fantastic. It will email you and tell you if your email address has ever been breached on a site. So, for example, Ah. if you bought a mattress from a, a mattress shop online and that website was breached and that database was downloaded to God knows where or it was ever sold, Have I Been pawned? will actually email you and say, hey, you were breached in this. This is the Fantastic. details that they've got. Please go and change your passwords and please be aware. I think a lot of it's just awareness yeah. more than anything. Using a password manager is an yeah. absolute must. It's a pain, don't get me wrong. I, I've done it, I've been through it. It's such a nightmare. But once you use it, you'll realize very, very quickly, oh my God, How how did I ever live without one of these things in the past and a third third piece of advice is more just tell two i think this is a fantastic piece of advice it's a great campaign run by one guy at city London police tony murray I'll, i'll give him a shout out because he's fantastic he's a fraud officer basically and his campaign is all about tell two people in the real world about any type of fraud no matter what it is Go out there, tell two people. If you've seen that someone's tweeted their birthday, for example, or they've yeah. tweeted a copy of the passport, go and speak to them. Go and tell them, hey, do you know that how this can be used against you? rather yeah. than just you know sitting back and forgetting about it. you know, Go and speak to these people. Tell them and engage with them. It's actually you know, you've know, you probably done this as well where you speak to someone about a, a really bad phishing email that you've received. You have a good laugh about it and someone will say, hey, look at this one I got. It starts a conversation. Everybody wants to top trump each other in, mm. in terms of the spoof text that they get. Let's turn that into a protect opportunity where we can say, hey, you know, you got that spoof text. I got one from my bank and I know this guy that lost 500 quid to by clicking the links so don't click links all right okay what should i do hey phone the bank on a number you trust don't you know don't trust them and do this and do that you you start to almost galvanize the public into being cyber protect officers effectively we're all looking out for each other so yeah that's my three 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 yeah three top tips on data hygiene basically
3: fantastic and i i would add a fourth one to that which is what exactly which only what you said earlier is that we've got to stop the embarrassment around any extortion that's connected to sex or porn because you know the tell to Absolutely. thing that's the stuff people won't talk about will they
2: absolutely no i've yeah. spoken to i've spoken to children i've spoken to oh sorry teenagers i've spoken to adults i've spoken to uh, students from other countries that was an interesting one where they couldn't come forward because there was some law in their home country that said that they'd, they'd actually broken the law so they felt yeah, very yeah. victimized and alone. And it tr- transpired that that particular student group uh, was targeted heavily because based on that fundamental fact that they knew that they wouldn't come forward, and it's it's horrible because when you show someone the the web bot that I built or you show them a, a, an article or a, a you know a TV show where I've spoken about it, they suddenly realise wait if i'd come forward this Mm. may have gone differently Mm. and do you know what if anybody receives one of these extortion emails or a random facebook ad or something like that where you know they're on a video chat and someone threatens them i'm going to release this video absolutely go to the police there's a lot of stuff they can do to a safeguard you and b track those guys down and most of the time they're never going to release the video all they want is the money and you know they're just they're just chancing their arm effectively (laughs)
3: Always end every episode with asking three questions about your own tech and phone habits, Scott. So, okay. if you're <laughs> open to that, I'm gonna. <laughs> so you, you've almost definitely answered the first one already, which is if you've got one message that you'd like to give to everyone listening about their phone and tech habits and mm. cybersecurity habits, you know, what would that message be? Just one thing.
2: Just one thing. Ooh. I'm not sure if someone's already said this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it as I absolutely detest this idea that you go around and see someone in four, you know, four people in a room and every single one of them is buried in a phone. Let's try and have some quality time. Tech is really valuable. I love tech, but let's start putting the phone down a little bit more and, and start actually engaging with people in the real world because you can do the things like the tell opportunity you can speak to people yeah, about security yeah. you know yeah. you can still talk
3: tech but yeah. you don't need the phone but you don't in front need of the tech place. with you when you're talking yeah. about it i like that yes and have you got a tip um about getting a good balance so i mean obviously you spend your life like i used to working mm. in the digital world in the tech world so you yeah. know what's it like for you how do you make sure you get balance
2: Well, at the moment, I'll I'll give you an idea of what I'm sitting in front of at the moment. I have two laptops in front of me and I have three (laughs) 27-inch monitors around those and then I have two phones. Um, I have a lot of screens and I make no... Qualms. In fact, when we first met, like I was very, very worried about the content you were going to talk about because I thought this is so relevant to me. I am addicted <laughs> to my screens, but I need to be for work. And the the truth is, I don't actually need to be addicted to my screens for work. I can take the time off. So recently, what I've found myself doing is taking time out. I used to smoke, and what I used to do was take those ten minutes away from the screen almost every hour to yeah, you know kind of recruit my yeah. thoughts. And it was it was nice until, you know, iPhones came around and then you suddenly started checking your phone when you were outside on a smoke break. But recently it's more, I'll go and make a coffee and sit in the kitchen or, you know, kind of hang around the coffee machine and just chill and just, you know, read read a paper or something like that. Just chill out. But yeah, I have a major problem with being... Uh, having to be in front of screens and my idea of chilling out is in front of the television so it's not really good but recently I have started tracking my time really really heavily in front of the screen because yeah do you 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 use screen
3: time or something similar in order to track it
2: yeah so I use screen time and I try and log how much time I'm spending looking at the television or the playstation or whatever it may be and trying to go look you know this is this is really not healthy I need to go out and feed my squirrels I need to go and do something else I was I just to about just to mention your squirrel habit yeah uh, the squirrel yeah. habit my pet squirrel she's <laughs> yeah. fantastic I love her
3: so that is a that's a great way of getting off a screen isn't it well remind me what her name is smudge, smudge um, so her, her name right.
2: is smudge and if anyone follows me on twitter or instagram you'll, you'll, you'll see her see regularly
3: gorgeous pictures of her i know i love it. smudge brightens up my feed i have to say she's right.
2: such a good squirrel i absolutely love her so we we've uh, we've seen her for the last two years she comes to the window to get fed she's an incredibly incredibly tame but only with us and she responds to her own name so she'll actually run oh. like you know almost you know a, a, a good distance if you shout her name she'll run over and stand and, and beg for food and she's absolutely adorable and i have a major <laughs> major problem feeding this squirrel i'm sure i'm my I, I my neighbors absolutely hate it but i don't care because it's just become part of me now that's that this is a smudge incident is is well and truly past i have squirrels constantly coming to the window for food it's fantastic i love it i'm like you so said
3: I'm going to encourage it because it's a great way of getting off the screen and also because I love seeing all her pictures in your feed. Um,
2: she's, she's such a poser though. That's yeah, great. I've
3: noticed that. Yeah, <laughs> some great shots. And the last question is, what do you think, you've been working in the digital world, you've had a smartphone for a long time, what have you learned about yourself from your phone habits?
2: Oh, that's a good question. So it will come as no surprise to you, because I think you've followed me on Twitter, is that Every single little fun thought that comes into my head, I seem to want to immediately tweet it. So I've found that I don't really have, um, I always used to joke I didn't have a filter. filter. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I used to joke I didn't have a filter between my brain and my mouth and I don't have a filter between my brain and my thumbs, it seems now. I seem to want to tweet everything. So it's always ironic when I say, look, you know, always protect yourself online and then I'm tweeting complete garbage nonsense 24-7, I've learned that I need to probably back off a little bit and kind of get less... uh, tweety at certain times, certainly when I I I drink or something. <laughs> when you like had that. A,
3: when you had a beer, yeah. When
2: I, when I've had uh, several beers, that's when I should stop tweeting because that's usually the time where I think it's a great idea to try and ask people to go out and get me spicy rings or some food from the shop, um, <laughs> and I have the most amazing conversations. But no, I, I've what I've learned about myself from tech more is I don't have a filter, but that's a double-edged sword almost so i've met and got some amazing pieces of work from not having a filter online Um, but also i've 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 ran into difficulties where people have said hey you probably shouldn't have said that it wasn't anything bad it was just more a, you know it it just the wrong place wrong time kind of tweet and you know it starts to get a bit difficult so yeah i've realized i should probably have a filter and i should probably put a breathalyzer on my phone (laughs)
3: there's actually apps you can get where yeah. you could yeah where you can activate I've forgotten I looked at one not that long ago so that they ask you to do the equivalent of walking a straight line if they think you know you're drunk and you have to type something and it and if the app decides that you are too inebriated to tweet or text it locks you out
2: <laughs> I know you can't see my face right now but there's a massive smile on it because I'm, I'm just I'm just imagining t- installing that and then having the, a whale of a time when I've, I've just woken up or something trying to trying to log into it going yeah. ah, this isn't working So not maybe that maybe that's a good idea maybe I should install that because it would stop me tweeting at 7 a.m as soon as I wake up going I've just woken up and I'm making a coffee I think so, it was yeah. originally
3: designed for people who sent drunken texts to the wrong person and I think mm. that was the kind of but it sounds like a good idea to me
2: i think it's a fantastic idea i think everybody should install it but yeah the, the bottom line is i think i definitely need a filter and i definitely need one of those uh, the um breathalyser apps definitely
3: <laughs> a digital breathalyser so i want to say thank you so much for chatting to me can you just give out your social handles for everyone if they want to follow i really recommend following scott on twitter and instagram what are you the same on both i can't remember what's your i am
2: the same on both but my second name is a nightmare to spell so i'm scott mcgrady and that's m-c-g-r-e-a-d-y so i scott mcgrady
3: so i recommend following scott for cybercrime everything to do with cyber safety and squirrels yeah Um, so thank you very much thanks daniel Thank you for listening to this episode of It's Complicated. If you haven't already, please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It helps other people find us and it means you get a helpful little notification when a new episode becomes available. For more about getting a healthy balance with tech, you can follow me, Tanya Goodin, or Time to Log Off on Instagram and Twitter. And both my books, Off and Stop Staring at Screens, are available on Amazon and at all good bookshops. Finally, for more information about this and other episodes in the podcast series, visit
1: itstimetologoff.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well...